0: You're listening to the Pimp Cron Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's Warhammer Pimp Cron show of podcasting and episode 158. Did I botch that? I feel like I kind of botched that. Hey everybody, it's the Pimp Prime Warhammer podcast episode 158 and we are discussing all sorts of stuff tonight. Isn't that weird? We just, we just discuss stuff. It's weird. Our buddy Levi calls in and he's got lots of stuff to say. I respond to that. One of the things he brings up is if I'm going to talk about the Kill Team Octarius box set for Kill Teams and that spurred me to do so in this podcast. So that is the want that or want that not for the podcast. Then we're discussing... The dilution of the community in wargaming. Is new players a problem? Is them licensing out their IP to stupid phone apps? Is that a problem? We're going to discuss all that, and you can come to your own conclusions. What have I been up to? Well, lots of work, I tell you what. And uh, if there were a summer groundhog, I would murder it, because there's no way I'm having several more weeks of summer. But, uh... I did get to playtest some brutality missions this week. I soloed them. They turned out to be really fun. And I had a fantastic game this week with my buddy Ash at the gaming club. He brought his Custodes. I brought my Tyranids. And ultimately, he ended up really running away with the game. Because we were neck and neck for a solid two turns. And the third turn, I went ahead. I... I got like 15 points or I think 17 points in one turn so I really came ahead but then after that I looked at the board and I told him I was looking at it we're spread all across the board and I'm like you know what I looked towards the right and the things that I had on that right objective could not handle what he had on that right objective and I looked to the left and the same situation was there and I'm like I realize now that I spread myself too thin and believe it or not, he only had five models left on the board, six models, something like that at the end of it. So, I mean, the Tyranids definitely put in work, but at the end, all I had was a Hive Tyrant with like one hit point left and an Exocrine. That's all I had at the end of the game. And I told him, I said, oh, this third turn, I said, this is the end for me. It's going to turn now. And he's like, really? I'm like, oh yeah, it's definitely going south. And sure enough, from then on, I could hold less and less and he held more and more. And that was that. So he beat the crap out of me. Ultimately. Um, it was like 40 something to 20 something. I think it was, um, which, I mean, I guess in this new edition, that's not that much, but, um, To go from being tied for the first two turns, uh, then having such a drastic change at the end. So what I realized, and I always said I like to diagnose what I do wrong in games, and the Tyranids did some damage. I mean, we had Psychic Scream, we had the Exocrine, we had Smite, we had all sorts of stuff. We did a lot, a lot of damage. But I think what I did is I made the mistake being that I was not nearly as durable as him. I really made the mistake of spreading out too thin. And then he could kind of piecemeal take me apart. Um, My Broodlord put in a ton of work. I had my Carnifexes doing fantastic jobs. The Exocrine was kind of hit or miss, but that's the way that goes. All in all, it was a great game. I just realized that tactically I, I goofed a little bit. Um... But it was a fantastic game. I always enjoy playing Ash. Uh, Him and I joke and laugh the whole time. Neither one of us ever gets pissy. Neither one of us ever gets mad. It's just just a fun, casual game. And when we were tied, it was not stressful at all. And when he won, it was not stressful at all. Just had a great time. It's always nice to see Ash. So, that is about it. I've been working on the Brutality Supplement whenever I get a spare moment. And... That's, I think that's about it. So let's get on with the episode. Let's open the Tesseract mailbox. Hey, we've got a Tesseract mailbox from our old friend Levi, and it's a voicemail. I'm going to be cutting this up, so it's a little bit long of a voicemail, so let me reply to him individually after all of his statements.
1: Hey, Pimcron, it's Levi. Uh, Just wanted to check in again. I've been painting a lot more lately. I nearly finished my entire uh, skink box, the start collecting box. I uh, showed my nephew how to paint miniatures, and between, and he just wanted to paint every day since he's been here. So like I've just been grinding out the models, and. Well,
0: that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that you introduced your nephew to it. I'm glad to hear that you've been painting and hobbying and you're getting all those skinks painted. That is fantastic. And it's exciting to hear that a young person, your nephew, got really excited about the hobby. So I don't know what age he is, but that's pretty cool. Keep it up.
1: It's just, you know, it sounds stupid, but man, if you want to get better at painting, you just got to paint. And now I'm feeling a lot uh, braver. To accomplish like the rest of the models I've previously purchased on, you know, being you know drunk shopping on Amazon or whatever.
0: You know, I think you really hit the nail on the head there, Levi. That um, practice makes perfect, and the worst hurdle that I see a lot of new players run into, a lot of new painters, is that they don't have the confidence to try. And I know that. I ran into that. I was a late adopter of washes because I was afraid of messing it up. I was a late adopter of contrast paints because I was afraid of messing it up. I've never tried an airbrush because it seems too tedious. But the point is, it is very scary to try something new and you think you're going to mess it up. And even if you do mess it up, you can always get better. So I think you have really touched on something that's important that a lot of people experience.
1: So... I'm feeling brave. I'm gonna finish the Slanish Army, gonna finish the Thousand Sons box I got. Speaking of boxes, I also just pre purchased my uh new kill team box and I wonder if you'll be talking about that soon. Uh I'm I'm psyched. Like like I know uh GW's been real hostile to the fan base with the whole copyright thing and you know people are pissed, but you know, like I'm just getting into this hobby. Like I, I'm not ready to boycott them yet. Uh, I, I still have a few more years of abuse that I'm going to take before I'm ready to pack up and move to a different uh, miniature brand.
0: <laughs> I feel like at least you're being honest with yourself, that you're willing to take a couple more years of abuse. Uh, but, you know, uh, the Kill Teams box... I have not seen it yet pop up on the new releases. Maybe I missed it. Sometimes they come and go very quickly off the website. But those orc commandos do look pretty sweet. And uh, unfortunately, I don't actually play Kill Team. So I don't really have much to say about that. That's not one of the things that is really on my radar. I know the new edition came out for Kill Team and all of that. I do know there's some uproar in the community for whatever changes they've made. But... Um, I saw a couple demos of Kill Team, and it just really wasn't my thing, so I've never really, never really played it. So you can't expect any gameplay coverage, at least, of that. Um, maybe if I can find the actual box set, and, um, also they release, they tease box sets so much earlier than they're actually on sale. So a lot of times I'm like, didn't that already come out like three months ago? And finally it's out now, because they teased it way ahead of time. So I don't really know where we're at in that schedule for the new Kill Team box, but I'll keep my eyes looking out
1: for them. Till then, though, I'm so psyched for those Commando Orcs and those Def Corps of Creed. so i got to figure out a way to paint them. Um, I'm thinking a grayish-green for the Def Corps, which I know like Orcs are going to be green, but I'll figure it out. Anyway, that's all I wanted to say, and uh, yeah, any thoughts on the uh, new kill team? Are you excited for the rules? What do you think? Um, The whole concealment uh, move order thing uh, seems a little clunky, but I'm excited. I want to see how it plays, and I'm going to start playing that with my nephew, too. Uh, I'll talk to you later, and uh, bye. Have a good show.
0: Well, first off, thank you for leaving me a voicemail, Levi. I greatly appreciate it. It's always nice to hear from you, and After hearing your request for me to take a look at the new Kill Team box set, I looked it up online and I found it. So this is going to spur my want that or want that not for this episode. So just so you know, you are the reason for it. And thank you for calling in. Want
1: that or want
0: that not? Spurred on by the voicemail from our buddy Levi, I am reviewing the Warhammer 40k Kill Team Octarius box set. It comes in at a toasty $199, $199, and it comes with all the tokens and the core rulebooks and all of that that you need. It also comes with 23 brand new miniatures, and it forms two complete kill teams. And it also comes with scenery and dice and all sorts of stuff. Now, two hundred dollars is quite a price for a box set, but it does seem like it's got a lot to offer. So it's got, um, it's orcs versus the Deathcore Krieg, and the Deathcore Krieg. It looks like you get about ten models plus some sort of objective or a bomb of some sort. The models are really cool looking for all of you Deathcore Krieg people. Um, you know, you're always. ...forced to do Forge World or whatever... ...this is the first, to my knowledge... ...plastic made Deathcore Krieg models... ...and they're pretty fantastic looking. I've always had a soft spot for Krieg... ...and I know a lot of you have as well... ...and uh, they, they're they just fantastic looking. They've got like a... ...a weird motif with the gas masks and everything... ...but I really like it. And I could definitely see someone... ...buying a bunch of these to make a... ...full army out of... ...if, if you didn't want to pay Forge World prices... All these models are really good looking. Um, you know, I'm not positive that I see any two that are the exact same. They all look like they are 10 unique poses, which is pretty fantastic. Of course, one guy's swinging a shovel. Why wouldn't he be? And uh, that's cool. They, these all look really neat. So let's go on to the orcs now. Once you get to the orcs... There's a lot of pictures to scroll through here. There we go. The orcs. These Kill Team Commando orcs. Freaking sweet looking. I think they look even cooler than the Deathcore Creek. Now it looks like you get uh, 10 models as well. Plus one bomb squig. And um, you know one of them is not an orc. One of them is a grot. But it's like dark purple. I don't know why that is. But these guys are some pretty cool commando models. They really really are. 10 commando models and a bomb squig. Each and every one of these is exactly like the Deathcore Krieg where they're completely unique. Um, completely. There's not a single copycat in any of them. The ball snob looks really cool with his, um, his like his Marine Corps style cap and his pa- uh, power claw. And uh, every one of their guns look different too. Every single one of them are some sort of hybrid, the flamer dude looks very Mad Maxi, He looks awesome. He's got a skull for a face. And uh, I, I have truly nothing bad to say about these models. All 20 of these models that we've seen are 25 models. They're fantastic looking. Got no problems whatsoever. Um, I think that they've done a really, really great job with these. Every one of these have a lot of personality. And when I was first looking at this, I really thought, oh, we're just going to see, you know, f- two sets of five for each army or something like that. Now, it also comes with terrain. We can't forget about that. In addition to the rule books and the tokens and the models, we also get terrain. You know, I have seen other terrain sets coming from Games Workshop that was worse than this. This is a fairly decent amount of terrain, especially given that kill team boards are not very large. There's four, probably six inch long walls that block line of sight. And then there's some sort of like engine that also blocks line of sight. And then you've got a couple scatter terrain pieces and stuff like that. It's totally serviceable. I like it. I still think they could have done more with it, to be honest. Um, Five line of sight blocking terrain pieces is fine. But then you've got two area terrain ones and two more barricades and two sets of like pillars with a wheel that are just sticking out of the ground. And maybe they're meant to like make a walkway between two of the buildings because they kind of look like that, but they're just standing on their own in this picture. And plus they also get uh, six, I guess they're barricades. They they look like they're unpainted. They're light gray, like barricade uh, sort of things, but they're not long walls like the other barricades. I think this is totally fine. I don't think that they should have wasted all of this material on smaller stuff that really is probably not going to help the game that much. I feel like they could have melted all of this down and given you a fifth and sixth, I mean, a sixth and seventh line of sight blocking piece. I think that would have been cooler. I feel this is a little bit of fluff in the terrain, but the models of the people are really cool looking. So... Would I want this or want that not? Well, first off, I don't play Kill Teams, so I technically don't want that. I also don't play Krieg, so I don't want that. And these model orc models are totally cool. I really like them, but I never played any commandos. I never did that in the past. So that's also not really necessarily up my alley. Having said that, I think that if you play Kill Teams, this box set is definitely worth getting $200. It comes with some decent terrain. All the rule books, the tokens, and 25 miniatures, 23 miniatures, whatever it is. And all the miniatures look fantastic. A lot of character, a lot of uniqueness in each and every one of them. I really like it. To the point where, if I was going to get into Kill Team, I would definitely buy this. I could definitely see myself doing a Krieg and an uh, Orc Warband and painting up this terrain. This is Orc-themed terrain, so it's got a lot of character to it. But... I will ultimately say that is a want that for this, although I will not be getting it because I don't play kill team and I don't need the train or the models. So, but it is I definitely see the value in it. And two hundred bucks is well, what do you do? It's two hundred bucks. I don't know. I think that's a little steep, but for the number of models and all that, eh, I bet that ten man box of Krieg would be sixty bucks now or something. So when you factor all that in, it's probably a, a fairly decent deal. Now it's time for Real Talk with PimpCron. This is Real Talk with PimpCron, and tonight we want to discuss is the licensing of Games Workshop's intellectual properties to all of this different stuff, is that diluting the actual brand? Is it actually harming the game or something of that nature? There's a lot of angles to cover on this, so let's get to it. First off... I was on Facebook the other day and I noticed that there is a new mobile game app that is licensed by or from Games Workshop. And have you seen those clickbaity games where it's like a little soldier on a floating square and then he like locks in with another floating square and now all of a sudden he's leveled up and now he's a tank or something. And then when your big iceberg of little squares get closer to an enemy, you can kill them and then you lock onto that one and it turns blue and all that It's like a specific genre of clickbait game for your cell phone. It looks pretty terrible. And I saw a Warhammer 40k version of that game. I am not exaggerating and I am not lying. Now, we have seen a huge uptick in Games Workshop's licensing of their products. They had uh, Fantasy Flight, did what? a board game, a card game. They have Warhammer 40k Monopoly. Um, they've got all sorts of apparel now. They've got different shoes that you can buy. And I think they're Reeboks. I don't remember. And there's, uh, hoodies, there's stretch pants. There's just a lot of stuff. They've got these army pins now. I've seen, uh, mugs, travel mugs of Warhammer from these different various companies. And of course, there's tons of video games. And there's the Age of Sigmar card game, which I think is defunct now. And, uh, there's just a bunch, a bunch, a bunch of stuff. And it's interesting because does that, does that actually dilute the brand when it's just everywhere in the stores and all online and things like that? It just seems, I don't know. It seems in one way, it's getting the brand out there, right? Somebody that doesn't know what Warhammer is, they might see one of these objects or brands or cell phone games or whatever And they see them and they're like, oh, what is this? And if they're so inclined, I don't really know where the connection is. Like, how do you go from playing a floating island game based off Warhammer 40k and somehow that translates to customers that buy miniatures and play on the tabletop? I find that return on their investment extremely small. But they are getting money for all this licensed stuff. And you could argue, as much as some of you may want to boycott Games Workshop, you could argue that the more money the company makes, the more successful they are. And the more successful they are, the more resources and capabilities they have to expand their games and come up with new models and all of that. And the longer you'll be able to play this living game called Warhammer, whether it be 40K or Age of Sigmar doesn't matter. So all of this licensing to all of the multitude of video games and card games and apparel and all that it is definitely a pretty decent revenue stream for games workshop now i'm not looking at their stock stuff i don't even know if they break it down that far but it's got to be a significant income stream and also like i said it's awareness but how much that actually helps i don't know but a lot of people i've heard complaining because it cheapens the brand when you when you put your name and your likeness on cheap product it's one thing to do i suppose games workshop monopoly or 40k monopoly i suppose that's a respected board game brand and and so on and so forth but when you're doing this clickbaity floating square bullshit games. I don't know. I do kind of wonder if that makes you look cheap. It's kind of like how Marvel Comics had put like a, their marketing and their branding. Like you go in Dollar General, one of the cheapest, you know, it's it's like a, a dollar store or a pound store for you British people. Um, dollar General is like a very cheap store. Like all their food is cheap and their toys are cheap and all that. And Marvel is just branded all over that place. Where it's like, oh, I can buy Pixie Sticks branded Marvel. Oh, I can buy Marvel stick glue for crafts and all sorts of stupid crap that has nothing to do with Marvel. And I understand it's money for Marvel, and I understand it's money for Games Workshop, but it does seem like it's cheap when you can walk in a super cheap store And their branding's all over. It's different if you were to go and do something high quality. Um, Even a lot of their video games are pretty good. Although I do have one called Regicide, I think it is, on the PC. And I believe that one... Okay, there's two of them that I absolutely hated. One of them was a Plants vs. Zombies with Orcs vs. Space Marines. And it was just garbage. I hated it. The other one, which I think is the Regicide one, is basically chess... But with Space Marines and orcs, and it's just, it's just plain dumb. It's there's no reason to have that at all. I don't know why they'd ever greenlight a game like that because it's just garbage. It's not even a good game. It's not clever. It's just stupid. So, um, but then you've got other games like Gladius or Dawn of War or those other ones that are more respected and people know about them: Inquisitor and Deathwatch and all that. Um, so. Ultimately, I don't think, as long as they don't go too, too far with it, although this this crappy app that I saw on Facebook ad, um, that might be the beginnings of them just whoring out their license to anybody, but more money is arguably better for all of us. Now, I hear other complaints, not from many of my immediate friends, but online I hear complaints about whether or not we should be trying to entice new players, because new players that you may not normally play with, bring in all sorts of new ideas and new opinions, and some of them can be quite demanding as far as they want things changed or whatever. So I can definitely see both sides of this because on one hand, let's talk about the pros of having new players in. New players do bring fresh ideas. New players do change the community. Um... In this column, we'll say change the community for the better because the more inclusive it is, the more, you know, less of a boys club and all of that. I understand that. And, of course, new players also mean more money for the game. And we've already discussed how that is arguably good for all of us. But I also see the negative side because it is true. Let's say that you had a bunch of a-holes. You've got a perfectly nice gaming group of Warhammer and you get, let's say you have 10 people in your normal gaming group, and then five assholes join. They're just totally rude, superpower gamey, blah, blah, blah. Now, 33% of your group is jerks. Now, I'm, not a, I'm certainly not saying all new players are jerks. That's not, certainly not true, but this is just for an example here. That really could impact the group as a whole, because now all of a sudden, 33% of the people are jerks you know, or, and they love to play competitive where you guys were all casual or something like that. So I definitely see that any community that you have is basically like a pot of soup and every new person, like you can have chicken noodle soup and that's what your normal community is. But you start involving these new people and all of a sudden, you know, the new people are like, let's say sweet tea that you're pouring in the soup. Okay. Something you don't normally put in soup. And the first couple people is like a dollop. The second couple people is like half a bottle. And the third group of people is like the rest of the bottle. At some point, it's going to change. I don't know how much tea it takes to change a pot of chicken noodle soup. But eventually, your chicken noodle soup is going to taste different. Whether or not you like this new flavor of weird sweet tea chicken noodle soup or not is up to you. But it is going to change the community. I just don't see how you're going to stop that. I don't see how you're going to stop new people coming in. The best thing you can do is invite new people to come in, but don't take any crap off them. If they're super power gamey, or they're super political, or they're super this or that, and they're going to slant your entire society of your local gaming group or whatever... Then you're going to have to put a stop to it. You're going to have to tell them, hey, this isn't what we do here, that sort of thing. And I have had that conversation a couple times with people that are joining our group going, hey, uh, yeah, we, we don't really, we don't usually play like that. Like w- with your, you know, three full man squad aggressor units, yeah, we don't, we don't usually play that hard. And they either adapt or they don't. So I do totally understand having new people in is a good thing i also understand how it potentially could be a bad thing but ultimately you can't change it so you just have to i hate to say this word but you kind of have to gatekeep and i know gatekeeping is like oh it's a bad connotation oh pimpcrons a bigot whatever you say what you want but you do have to guard your community and you do have to guard your hobby against things that are not good Having said that, I'm not talking about actually guarding your community against types of people. I'm not. I'm not saying that you hold that color chart up to their skin and go, "Oh, that that, that person's different," or you know, the worrying about what their sexuality, or their gender, or nationality, or religion, or politics, or what any of that. I'm not talking about keeping a type of person out. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about keeping out people that are damaging to your community and specifically what I'm talking about is jerks I mean if that's we have listen for those of you who may be worried about new people joining the hobby and all the these people are going to be different and it's scary I understand what you're saying but we already have plenty of jerks in our community and our community is fairly homogenous with mostly males and all of that so It doesn't really matter where they come from or who they are. It's just if they're either a jerk or they're not a jerk. You know, somebody can be extremely different than you with extremely different views and extremely different lifestyle, but it doesn't mean they're a jerk. They could be really nice people. So I'm saying that we should gatekeep our community only against jerks. And uh, that is something that I think is totally feasible and that you can um, not feel bad about doing, to be honest. And Sometimes when you see the comic book, specifically comic books, becoming mainstream, they're under so much scrutiny and so much ridicule and so many hands in the pot and that sort of thing, you can kind of see where originally comic books were a closed group of nerds and things were kind of the same. And then all of a sudden you open it to all these new people and now all you've got all these new opinions and it can mess with your, your base group. Um, Once again, I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, and I don't know how you stop it. You can't just kick people out of the hobby. So you're going to have to adapt yourself in the way you do things. Um, I personally, I'm thrilled to have new people in the hobby. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I don't want new people that are jerks. That's my problem um power gamers i mean there is a place for power gamers but there is not or should not be a place for jerks um also we ban politics in our group as well we have a handful of people that are extremely left or right and they just know not to discuss politics with each other and we don't discuss politics as a group occasionally one of them will speak up and start going oh, you know we're and I'm just like, okay, that's yeah, let's not let's not discuss that or I'll make some sort of joke, you know, to kind of deflect what they're saying or because I'm not there. I do not come to Warhammer to discuss politics and I would hate it if I had a bunch of a bunch of new political people join. I would hate it if I had a bunch of new power gamers join or jerks join or anything like that. But I personally don't think there's a lot of validity to. Watering down the brand from a bunch of licensing, I don't really see that. I also don't really see that it is doing anything for the hobby except for a money stream for Games Workshop, because I truly don't think any of those sales of that app are going to translate to tabletop gamers. So I think there's that as well. Um, But I also, even if it did bring new players in, I don't see how they're going to Ruin everything and everything's going to be terrible, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I don't think that either.